podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, thanks for listening to the show. Join your hosts, Bill Alpstead and Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. We're going to get you all caught up uh, in our mid midweek show um, with everything, injuries, all of the comings and goings on the roster that you've heard about. We're going to talk about those things in detail. We're also going to get into some of the, um, the past <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Keith is, is arguing in favor of revisiting the all 22 film from the, uh, from the game. And, um, I have not been able to put up an argument against him. And so we're going to, we're going to go back and, and <laughs> revisit that and, um, and go over some of those key plays that, that were a difference in this game. Uh, there were more than just a, a few key plays that we were talking about an entire half. Welcome in Keith. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, despite having to, um, rewatch the all 22, uh, uh earlier today. So I'd say I'm, I'm, yeah, that was a, um, a marathon, but I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, no, really. Um, got a, uh, my daughter's birthday's tomorrow. Um, so we're going to be going out and celebrating that. Um, of course she chose one of the most expensive restaurants in Phoenix to do that with all of our friends and family. Um, and, uh, so we'll see what my contribution to that event is, uh, fun. Nonetheless, um, going to a show on Friday night here locally, just kind of purging this, uh, Seahawks week out of my system before I uh, get back into it this weekend. Um, and, and I'm believe it or not, I'm looking forward to that Lions game, you know, cause one of the best uh, medicine uh, that you can take for, for getting a, a bad thing out of your system is just go right up and, and do it again and hopefully do it better. So at least that's my hope. Anyway, mm-hmm. my internal optimist uh, side of me, but uh, we're here to talk about um, the loss, but also, um, the injuries that, uh, the, the two critical injuries that, that happened and how it's affecting the roster. Um, the team announced, uh, today, Wednesday, that it is placing Abraham Lucas on injured reserve. And that means that he's going to miss at least, uh, four games. Now, Pete came out just yesterday and said, you know, Abe's fighting kind of a, a knee thing he's had going on for a while. It's not a new injury, blah, 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 blah. Today he's on injured reserve. That doesn't completely add up to me, but maybe they reached a point where they thought that he could be better long-term, obviously, uh, by, by sitting out a few games and really just kind of resting that thing up and allowing it to heal to a point where he can come back and have a, a great effective season. Otherwise it was just going to be, um, you know, this reoccurring thing happening over and over again. So they're kind of rolling the dice with that a little bit. Also compounding it is, um, the Charles cross injury because now they they're missing both tackles, which means you've got to make a roster move. You've got to bring in some other people, um, in order to fill out the roster and to do that, you have to make room. And if, uh, Lucas was going to be out, let's see, even if it was going to be out three games, 
um, they thought before he came back, or something one more, but it um, to put him on IR, and, and they were able and to create we have a, a roster week. spot. Yeah, and we have a bye week after that game too, so he's theoretically he's able to rest for almost six weeks here. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so you know, it, and and so the Charles Cross thing is a turf toe, and that can be complicated, especially for a bigger guy, and um, those things vary in severity, you know, and it really depend kind of depends on pain tolerance as well. It's very difficult to push off on an injury like that. Uh, Okung, our left tackle, uh, about 10 years ago, um, had a turf toe, uh, and he missed eight weeks. So this is something that the team is going to just have to evaluate and try to figure out. Uh, there's no guarantees that he's going to play in this game, probably likely won't. Um, and so the Seahawks went out and made some moves, um, and, and started that with signing veteran left tackle and veteran, um, is is an not understatement. even an understatement right uh jason peters uh 41 years old been around uh started out as an undrafted guy i mean good for him uh all pro 10 time nine time pro bowler uh most people remember him with the philadelphia eagles for a long time uh moved around a little bit like uh last year he was with dallas took about 120 snaps last year didn't play a lot when he did, he was okay. I think he allowed seven or eight uh, pressures, one sack. Um, it's 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 just a placeholder, but it's a veteran guy that comes in, maybe adds to the room as far as uh, having that veteran presence and so forth. And then he's likely to start like this this next week uh, if he's ready to go physically. Um, he might be in part of a rotation, but I think he's going to end up playing just because the Seahawks really don't have a lot of other choices here. And they're going to face one of the best edge rushing teams in the NFL in the, in the uh, Lions. Yeah. And then that's really the problem. I don't know if he'll start, um, but I do think they'll rotate him in, get him some, um, some reps just to help him like work in so that he can start the following week. Uh but you're running out Jake Curran and Stone Forsyth as your tackles um, if he doesn't play. And we saw that in the second half um, this last week. It it wasn't pretty. Um, one, having one of those guys in there is, um, is something that I think you can work around, especially if it's um, Curran because of mm-hmm. his run blocking. But when you have both, you, there's just not enough. You, you can't keep enough tight ends in to help with protection and still have people get open because – if you keep two tight ends in to help, well, now you've got um, three guys out in patterns and uh, six or seven guys covering them. It just doesn't work. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, um, interesting situation for them. So uh, they, like I said, they had to make a move. They just really didn't have any, um, any option there. Uh, you could do worse than Peters. And I, I do agree with you. I think having the veteran state, he's going to be steady and that kind of stuff. He used to be great. He's not anymore. He's 41. Um, but I think it's more about um, having a guy in the film room, helping everyone else prepare, you know, being that, that, uh, that pro, right. Um, that's, what's going to really help them as they wait for their starters to get back. The same day they signed Greg Island back to the practice squad. Also, Jason Peters is initially on the practice squad. 
So they'll need to make a, a game day decision on him, whether he is activated up. We'll see what happens with this move now, putting Abe Lucas onto IR. Uh, maybe that's the spot that they needed to, to bring him up. What they did, though, today was a little surprising. But given the depth situation, they, they really needed to go out and do this. They signed tackle uh, Roquan uh, O'Neal off of Tampa Bay's practice squad, which means he lands onto the 53. And he may not be active for game day, but he's on the active roster. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also tackle McClendon Curtis off Las Vegas's practice squad. O'Neal went undrafted out of UCLA. It was kind of a Rutgers transfer over there. Started all 13 games for UCLA last season, uh, blocking for Zach Charbonnet. And, uh, and Bobo with, uh, was his teammate as well. So I'm sure those guys uh, vouched for him. Um, apparently, Tampa Bay really liked this guy. They were happy to get him back onto the practice squad. He's one of the, the, the best young up-and-coming uh, tackles out there that currently wasn't on a roster. So Seattle was able to kind of swoop in and, and get him. Um, and then Curtis was a undrafted free agent, started 38 games at Tennessee Chattanooga. I uh, don't know much uh, else about him. Um, I, the other guy out there that I'll, I'll just mention is Lael Collins. Um, the Bengals released him off of the practice, off of the pup list, excuse me. Um, he's injured. He injured his ACL last week, second to last week of December last year. So he is still in a recovery mode. Uh, but that might be something to monitor if this thing goes longer than anticipated for the Seahawks, especially for Charles Cross. Yeah, um, if he we'll gets see. if he gets himself where he can pass a physical and and be cleared to play, um, that's a name because this was a this that was a pretty good player. Um, mm-hmm. And so if they can get him and sign a guy like that for nothing once he's healthy, um, that would be a huge uh, boost. If Cross or Lucas don't aren't able to come back yeah okay so that's that's really the 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 bad news and it is very bad news you know without our left tackles and right tackle in this offense we're going to see just how how much of this offense we can actually run and a good test will be against the lions um witherspoon is coming back uh pete carroll uh, confirmed today that witherspoon is in fact going to play on sunday uh, he called it his uh, his his opener, um, so he will be out there. That's good news for the secondary that really struggled. We're going to get into that a little bit um, today, as far as what went wrong um, last last week and and why we're having this conversation. Um, as far as losing to the um, to the Rams as badly as we did, we were outscored twenty three to zero in the second half after taking a 13 to seven lead Seattle was two of nine on their own third down conversions and then watched Matthew Stafford and the Rams convert 11 of 17 third downs when they had the ball and um, including some long drives that really kind of fatigued that defense and and compounded some of the uh, scheme and coverage issues that they had so mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit how do you kind of want to approach this conversation Keith well, I think there's a lot of things that went wrong with the defense. And I think we kind of just need to walk through them independently. Um, I mean, we mentioned it when we talked to, you know, post game that um, the, the pass rush just wasn't consistent enough. 
when they got pressure, um, Stafford like didn't complete passes. They just didn't get pressure often enough. Um, and they need to fix that. They need to be able to get consistent pressure, um, mix up a little things. They just ran there for, you know, they're playing the three, four. So it, it, it alternates on which, uh, outside linebacker blitzes, but they just rushed straight ahead so often. They, there wasn't a lot of stunts, a lot of, um, twists. There wasn't a lot of disguise in anything that they did and it just wasn't effective. They just, they needed to be a little more creative in getting, uh, pressure on Stafford. Um, can I stop you? Just and I think that would have, would have definitely helped. What? So I just, I'm looking for your opinion. I'm not necessarily looking for a solidified answer. Cause I don't know if there is one, but, um, this seems like a complete broken record to me, like at least three years in a row, if not slightly longer opening up the season with disappointing defensive performances and scheme issues and rushing the passer, even though we've got a, a plethora of options in that area and having our defense, uh, especially our defensive backs. And, and, and we were kind of thinking on paper anyway, these guys were going to be top five unit in the NFL potentially. And to have them, um, out schemed, outflanked, outplayed, allowing tons of receptions and, and cushions in front of them. Um, I, I'm really curious as to what you think based on the, on the all 22 stuff, like what happened on the, in the secondary too. Well, okay. So when we start talking about the secondary, um, part of the issue is a couple of individually bad performances. Um, Kobe Bryant and Trey Brown um, need to be called out. Both of them played really soft. They were slow. When you're in a zone, you've got to be quick to react. You've got to pick up guys as they come through your zone. And both of them played really soft off of guys, slow to react. Um, and they were picked on like those, those were the guys that got thrown at over and over again. I have a question um, for you on Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So was he operating more out of the nickel or was he kind of a too high safety dropping down into a robber coverage in the, in the middle? Um, it was, he was more operating in the nickel, but it was more of a, because they were playing a lot of zone. He ended up, yeah, with a, with a, um, he wasn't a deep safety in the zone. He was more of an underneath safety. Um, that, that's where his responsibilities were. And yeah, there's just a lot of guys that were, would run right across his face and get open and, you know, the ball would be completed to him. And then he, then he'd react and it just wasn't quick enough. Um, I don't know. I guess he, for him, it struggled. Do you have, and, and, do you uh, have any Trey examples Brown, that you wanted to bring up? Uh, not really, because I think it would be better if we actually had the Ferguson going to talk about individual um, plays, having like game footage up would be a little better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we can't. And really maybe we that. can do that later on in the season. We, um, we, we have the but, ability to do it. It's just a lot of legwork to do it. Yeah. Um, so, but there was a lot of that. And then Trey Brown had the, had the same thing, just a couple, like a lot of stuff where um, guys would, you know, come in on a, you know, on a, on a square in and Trey Brown would bail out as if the player was running a post and it just created a lot of space right in the middle, right in front of him. Um, for Stafford to complete the pass and he needs, they need to be more physical and, and up tighter and, and actually mirroring what the receivers are doing. And they weren't. Um, and you know, that's, that's, was a big chunk of it. Um, 
you know, Diggs had a couple of bad plays. Um, Julian Love had a couple of bad plays. Um, Rick and Matthew got, Stafford had a great game. He did. He had a fantastic. He put some balls on guys mm-hmm. in the smallest windows. Like there was one pass <laughs> that was completed on um, um, Mike Jackson when he was in there that I'm telling you, like, I don't know how he fit that ball in there. It was like on the outside, 30 yards away from him. Um, and it was just a perfectly thrown ball. And, and you just like, okay, at some point, great throw, great catch is going to beat good coverage. Um, so he yeah, did the same thing with uh, Matthew Stafford threw the ball to Tyler Higby on one play. He was just completely covered. Um, in fact, uh, Brooks, Jordan Brooks was in front of the, the, the coverage and just mm-hmm. missed the hand swipe. I know which one you're, that, you're talking about. Yeah. And that was just, I mean, he just rifled that ball in there. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Um, there is also another thing that we need to keep an eye on. And that might be the speed of a certain middle linebacker who we are very excited to have back in Seattle. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but there was a play where Stafford I actually eight, ran eight, 18 tackles. I know Stafford ran around him for a first yeah. down. Yeah. He stepped up, should have had the, had the play stopped about five yards and instead an old slow Matthew Stafford ran around him and got a first down that, was that was scary um had 18 tackles had a pretty good game but the lack of speed on a couple of plays in coverage and that one in particular which wasn't a coverage that was a um you know step up and and tackle the quarterback situation um had me worried and maybe he just got he was out of position got awkward and and yeah i mean we don't know make the angle it was one play um, well, so I'm I'll not going like, to, he, he did have, uh, seven of his nine solo tackles were for two yards or less. Yeah. He, that is one thing against the run. He is so good. He attacks downfield. He's so, he reads the play really well. He gets through traffic <clears throat> as good as anyone. Um, the, the, he's the largest great. rush for, for the Rams on the day was Kyron Williams rushing for nine yards. Everything else was in front. They averaged like 3.2 yards a carry or something like that. It mm-hmm. really wasn't the, it wasn't the difference in the game. Well, let's no, put the it run, that way, which is a great, actually, yeah, the one run, of the things that you could take away that was positive on the defense was the way that they played the run. Yeah, the run defense was good. Um, the pass defense was not. And that's kind of the opposite of what we expected coming in because, well, we expected the secondary to be better. But... Both safeties had, you know, some off plays and some struggles and, and yeah, I mean, it's. So let me ask you this. So after watching that all 22, really kind of seeing it bird's eye. Can you, can, did you get a sense a feeling that this was, um, now I know the players need to execute. Don't get me wrong. Did you get the sense that this was somewhat schematic in the way that the Seahawks were at, what they were asking their players to do as far as being in a position to make plays? or not being in a position to make plays. Okay. So um, as far as the pass rush, I think it was schematic. Um, as far as the coverage, I looked more like execution. Guys that just, um, whether it was miscommunication or just not, you know, not covering the route as it's run, they're covering the route that they think is going to be run. And that leaves the guy open um, and stuff like that. So 
and some of it was well designed by Sean McVay to, to so, take advantage of the zones and that kind of stuff. So talk to me a little bit about the nuance of schematic versus, um, you know, player, um, playing, um, as far as the, the defensive line is concerned. Oh, okay. For, with the defensive line. So like, this is what I was saying earlier there, they were just, they rushed straight forward with four guys over and over and over again. Um, there wasn't a lot of stunts. There wasn't a lot of twists. There wasn't a lot I of saw Bobby packages. fall down on, on one twist. Yeah. Um, well, it's not a twist if, if it's Bobby coming up. Cause that's, um, okay. Stunt, <laughs> but <laughs> then he was coming up and he was trying to, you know, uh, look like, um, Jaron Reed kind of came back around, uh, towards the inside shoulder of the, of the tackle and Bobby kind of filled that gap. And, and so he was blitzing on the play. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of what, I, but he, he tripped and didn't have an opportunity to, to make the, uh, affect the, the, the play. And they, you know, they converted on one of the third downs. Yep. Um, so the way the, the, the thing that I saw on the, like these third down conversions, uh, which we really struggled on is it was a mix of different things. But was. hats off to the Rams um, for executing because they did. They beat us in a variety of ways. It wasn't just one thing over and over and over and over again. Although yep. they did attacks, you know, the middle of the field and, and so forth. the The thing that was striking to me was that um, Matthew Stafford just had a hell of a game. That's kind of what stood out to me the most, in in a sense, in that He's a good player. He he got the ball into tight windows. He uh, a couple of his younger players stepped up for him. Two two Atwell, really. If you go back and look at his you know three year career, um, it has been a mixed bag for sure. And he had his best game this last game. Uh, you look at the rookie, um, which. You know, hats off to half hats off to that kid, um, but um, he he had a heck of a game and just stepped up. And you combine that with Seattle's for whatever reason, and I don't know why they start seasons like this, but this is like the third or fourth season in a row where Pete Carroll shocked, you know, at at the end of the the game and says, "I don't know what happened. This wasn't the way that we." we drew it up and wanted to, to come out and play and it just didn't happen for us, you know? And, and he talked about, you know, combined weakness at pa- at the pass rush and allowing too many plays, you know, in front for, for yards, um, where they expected to have more bat downs, pass defense, uh, interceptions, but, you know, knocked out footballs. Um, none of that happened. We were just too far away from the from the ball to, to make any plays on the ball. We didn't yeah, have any pass defense really in this game. Sl- they were re- really slow to react to a lot of what the Rams were doing. And um, I don't get it, Keith. I, I honestly, I don't. I mean, they had a ton of time to prepare for this game. We've got this vaunted um, pass uh, defense, uh, apparently, that everyone's just been raving about in camp. And, and you go lay an egg like this uh, in the first game. It's just, it's, it, the disconnect to me is pretty strange it is concerning this has been a thing now we thought it was going to go away when um they changed defensive coordinators and that it was just a um uh a product of you know designing stuff that didn't fit the talent and then having to make adjustments later 
Um, but now we've got a new, a new defensive coaching staff and we're running into similar problems where at the beginning of the season, it just feels like they don't know how to use the guys they have and it takes time for them to develop. So, uh, right. It's, it's it's frustrating. It really is frustrating because you can um, you know these ends. guys are talented. You know they went oh, through yeah. the entire camp, and all you heard about all camp was the plays that they were making against DK Medcalf and the battles that they were having with Tyler Lockett and uh, and Jigba. Now they were winning some of those, but also our guys were coming up and and batting balls down and contesting catches. And I realize it's practice; it's different, but nonetheless, we're familiar familiar with this offense we just faced. It's our offense. Now it's mm-hmm. maybe better executed, but it was our offense. It um, is supposed to with be. lesser, apparently, quote unquote, lesser receivers. So it's just it's it is frustrating. I can understand why everyone's frustrated. All the fans out there are frustrated and so forth. The expectations were set. Pete Carroll set the expectations. This is going to be a special season. This could be a special. Um, and I think what? you know people were were buying into that. So it's 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 tough. Okay. Um, it might be special in a different way if they don't write the ship defensively. Yeah. So we're going to get into the, the Lions uh, preview in the, in the next show um, in more detail. But what, what do the Seahawks, based on what you saw on the All-22, on the defensive side, I think the offense is going to end up correcting itself, maybe, depending if on the tackle situations. Blocking. Right. <laughs> So I'm not I'm I'm actually less worried about the offense long term. But the defense to me something's wrong I think with with the scheme and the way it's coached and what they're asking the players to do. Other teams have us completely figured out. Now Pete Carroll has a long-standing philosophy. Everyone knows this that he doesn't want anything um over the top. Mm-hmm. And so he's playing his own and as long as you're reading and reacting and you've got great linebackers and maybe a great strong safety, that, that zone in front, while you, you might allow three or four yards uh, for a catch, it's going to be contested and it's going to be hard fought and you're going to get that other team to make a mistake and, and not convert on third down and you're going to get them to punt. Uh, but over and over and over for there was seasons part of the problem. now. Yeah, this there, is not there was happening. part of the problem um, is that that area in front, instead of those those short receptions in the middle um, being caught at four yards and you know being tackled at five or six, were being caught at seven or eight yards and being tackled for eleven or twelve. Um, Jordan Brooks over and over again. Yes, I, I, I want to. We need to point out Jordan Brooks, who played uh, pretty well in this game, but also struggled and. Um, you had a bunch of guys who had been injured and hadn't practiced much um, as a group out there. You're going to have a new one entering the, the fray this weekend. Yeah, Witherspoon. with Witherspoon. Um, and I think it showed a little bit in um, some miscommunication and um, some guys that just were, I don't know, making mistakes that you see early in training camp. Um I wonder I if having, having Brooks out there was the right call, given the fact that Devin Bush had played pretty well. One of the things I did want to ask you was about the, the, the diversity that we've got in our defensive backfield. We've got, uh, you know, a left corner and a right corner, uh, you know, starter-wise. Um, 
but then you've got Trey Brown, you've got Kobe Bryant, you've got Julian Love, you've got um, Artie Burns, uh, a, a few others that can play multiple positions. And my question to you is, is that multiple position issue what is going on here? Whereas these guys are trained to, to play all over the place, but maybe not communicating and not playing one position uh, very, very well. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, these guys are trained to play all over the place, which means they know what, not just what their responsibilities are, but what other people's responsibilities are. Um, you'd think that would help them. But I know I can depend on my guy to be there, and I know he's going to be there because if I was playing, like that's what my responsibility on this play would be. Um, usually that knowledge helps. It doesn't hurt. And so I don't know. I I'm well, there was a lot more the... rotation um on this game than than you would normally see in the defensive backfield. You saw Mike Jackson in there, you saw Artie Burns in there, you saw Trey Brown and and um uh Reek Woolen. All those guys got playing time. So did uh Kobe Bryant and the two starting safeties. Mm-hmm. Um I mean they played a lot of guys, they rotated a lot of guys in and out and not because of injury or anything. And it looked like they were at one point kind of throwing stuff out there to see if something would stick. Um, I didn't like that look. And I you know, hope that they'd have it figured out by now. It also might've just been yeah. the defense was on the field a lot and guys were just freaking exhausted. That might also I'm, be the other part. I'm really looking forward to Witherspoon only be uh, he's going to make a few mistakes here and there, but, he is so physical and his attitude uh, mm-hmm. is much needed on this field. Just not going to allow teams to control that middle of the field. He's not going to allow that. You know, we need that kind of mentality. Um, I will say this, that, you know, Detroit runs a very similar offense as the Rams, only better. You know, Jared Goff is, as you know, as much as we ridiculed and mocked him when he was with the Rams, um, in, in the prior four or five seasons in the last two or three that he's been with the lions, he's really become uh, quite competent um, thrower in the NFL. It doesn't turn the ball over. doesn't make mistakes. He, he knows how he's, he's the perfect game manager quarterback um, that, that you'd like to have where you're trying to control the clock and, and eke out wins. Um, and he's really good at that. And so, you know, marching down sure. the field, getting yeah. third down conversions, all that stuff, that's, that's what the Lions are built for. They've got a couple of great running backs now to be able to help them with that. Um, we'll get into it, you know, when we preview the Lions. But it, it's 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 an uphill battle. It was going to be an uphill battle before our tackles went out, and now I'm just not sure, you know. I think that we might need a little help somewhere from something um, to win this game, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that's um that's that's fair. I really think it is. I mean, um Goff is not, you know, no one's going to mistake him for um, you know, Aaron Rodgers pre-ankle uh injury or um, you know, Peyton Manning in the day or that kind of thing. He's not that. Yeah. But he can be steady and he can complete the passes underneath and take what the defense gives him. Um and, you know, against the Rams, the Seahawks gave Matthew Stafford a lot. 
Um, so we'll see. He also doesn't have the arm that Matthew Stafford has. He doesn't have that cannon. And so some of those plays that were made by the Rams aren't going to be available by the Lions. So we'll see how it ends up. Plus, I think the team will respond and be better. All right. Let's <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. You can find me at NW Seahawk. The show is Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Find it on your favorite podcast platform and our YouTube channel. And when you do hit that subscribe button, that would be awesome. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.